Hello everybody, welcome to episode 13, not 12, of Project Geekology. The reason why I say that is because I've been stumbling like 13 times. And on this week, we're going to be talking about Princess Mononoke, an anime film that I hold dear to my heart. But before we get into that, I am one half of your host, Anthony, and joining me as always is... Dakota! Hey guys, I'm really excited to talk about Princess Mononoke. It was, uh, for a long time, my favorite Studio Ghibli film, my favorite Hayao Miyazaki film. And for those who don't know, uh, I recently came out with a video uh, talking about Hayao Miyazaki's second movie, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And that was really fun, and I kind of compared the themes in that movie with all the other movies that he came out with after the fact. And Princess Mononoke follows a lot of the themes that we see in Nausicaa. And yeah, so last month I was able to rewatch all 11 uh, Miyazaki movies, and this is still like one of the best that he's produced. But it's no longer my favorite. I think I've grown to like enjoy the subtlety of some of his other movies a little bit more, maybe as I've matured a little bit, but this is going to be so much fun to talk about because it's so fresh for me, and you recently watched it too, right? Correct. It, this has been the first time in a while that I had seen it. I also agree. It was one of my favorite films for a while. I don't know if it is currently my favorite, but I still hold it. Uh, pretty high on my list as far as Studio Ghibli movies mm -hmm. uh, right there along with Spirited Away Howl's Moving Castle Howl's Moving Castle is definitely up there on my list too I believe that Princess Mononoke is a great first film to talk about to kick us off into talking about Studio Ghibli movies and while we're not going to be talking about one every week I do want to talk about the other films I think they all have something about it that's special yeah. And I think that they're worth talking about on a singular level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about like kind of like the macro of Studio Ghibli and Hayao Miyazaki. Um, there's so much there. Just just the man himself is such an interesting character. He's like this grumpy old man. He's like the Alan Moore of uh, anime films. But <laughs> um, he is super... I mean, as far as uh, like what he was capable of doing, like he, he started his career pretty late, uh, Hayao Miyazaki. He started his career of filmmaking when he was, I think, 39 years old. Mm. So he was in his early 70s when, or mid 70s, I should say, when The Wind Rises came out uh, in, in 2013. So, I mean, he's had a huge career spanning, what, uh, 40, 40 years, something like that. And... The guy's, the guy's a legend. Um, this film came out in 1997. It was kind of at the peak of his pushing animation to its limits. This would precede Spirited Away, which I think is his greatest feat in terms of filmmaking. It's the one that got him the Oscar uh, for Best Animated Film. But Princess Mononoke, in terms of themes, is one of the best. It's the strongest in terms of like its environmental message and it's one of the best in terms of like expressing humanity and how uh, essential that is that we get along with you know everything else but anyway right, right. with nature yeah um yeah we were talking a little bit about that off of the recording but i do think that it's important to to point out those themes that yeah he is 
pretty much talking about how humanity needs to take care of nature, pretty much. Yeah, but before we begin the uh, the actual diving into the story and uh, what we uh, took from it, uh, Anthony, what have you been up to this past week? I know it hasn't been all highs for you. Right. Well, being able to watch Princess Mononoke again was great. It's always great to revisit uh, Studio Ghibli films. And uh, I mean, you know, I have the Oculus Quest 2 now which I'm pretty excited about. I've been playing uh, Beat Saber and Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, and that's been pretty fun. Um, And that's VR. Yes, yes. So, I mean, those have been my my highs. Like Dakota had mentioned, uh, my week hasn't been completely filled with ups. Yesterday, we were supposed to record, um, but I got a text message from Anthony like, uh, a couple minutes before that saying hey dude i just got into a car accident and i was like oh crap what happened and he didn't text me back for a while so i was like worried but he's fine anthony you're still alive you're doing good right right yeah yeah i had gotten to a car accident well yeah my my car is not usable anymore which kind of sucks but yes I, I am alive and i'm happy about that yeah, yeah. You aren't. You were, oh, nobody was seriously injured, right? The the kid no, was fine, no. right? Yeah, okay, right. That's right. good. Well, enough about me. How about you, Dakota? What have you been up to? What's going on in your life? What's going on in my life? I, I started. Uh, well, you know, everyone has been talking about the Mandalorian recently. We spoke about it. We've been speaking about it like every week on our, our show, uh, just here and there. Uh, this week was another crazy episode i don't know uh, i think some people thought like this was the best episode that that they've released yet i don't know if i go that far but right um because you know seeing ahsoka in live action the previous yeah. week was something really special that was something at least for me <laughs> yeah i mean i mean it should be for for everyone seeing uh something from uh, a canon cartoon come into live action with such finesse with such perfection uh, it felt so real and i love that about it and dave filoni killed that episode but i also really liked what uh robert rodriguez did with this uh, recent episode uh you know robert rodriguez he 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 did the machete films he did the spy kids movies he did shark boy and lava girl oh man the films of our youth the films of our youth yeah um <laughs> Speaking of which, there's like a pseudo uh, Sharkboy and Lava Girl sequel coming out, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't I have saw that. Taylor like, we are heroes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. crazy. Uh, I couldn't believe that. Because of that, I I needed to finally get through the Clone Wars. Uh, so Jen and I have just sat down to just start watching it. I think the first season's really hard to to get into through the Clone Wars, just because so much is happening in random order you know it's not necessarily chronological the first season the first couple seasons really so i we are currently like five or six episodes into season two and we're finally like all right this is awesome but it took a little yeah it took a little bit there for me there was like a lot of false starts with uh star wars the clone wars i mean i I say i say false starts Uh, i mean to say that like i've started watching the clone wars so many times but I just can't get past a certain point or I just fall off. Just uh, I don't have the interest or whatever. But right now I'm past the point 
of no return. Uh, no, no, I, I'm past the point where I'm like invested in the characters and what's going on in the Clone Wars in the galaxy. I really love uh, Rebels. That was really my introduction to Star Wars in animation and Dave Filoni's stuff, especially. That show is a lot more serialized. Uh, Star Wars Rebels, like the the story, follows uh, the the life of you know this orphan kid, uh, Ezra Bridger on his path to becoming a Jedi. But with the Clone Wars, it's just little pockets of the galaxy at war. And it's fun because you're following a, a core group of characters. You got the Obi-Wans and the Anakins and the Sokas, but you have other people that you're following as well. And I, I all that's pretty cool, and I'm enjoying that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know how I feel about Clone Wars. I absolutely love Clone Wars. You grew up on it, And right? I will... What happened? Did you grow up with it, or...? So... I did watch Clone Wars on TV, but at that point when it came on, it, I was like older. I was in high oh, school. Oh, that's that right. I, I, I feel like I want to say that Clone Wars was like something that I could have watched when I was a kid, but that's not necessarily the case because it came out what, like 2011, 2012? So they had another Clone Wars one. They had the, yeah, the 2D one that's no they longer They had the canon. 2D one, right. And then I think, it, I, if I'm correct, the current Clone Wars, or the the canon Clone Wars, is it came out in two thousand eight. I think it started had. I think it had started. I think in you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So anyway, that's that's what I've been up to. Um, starting to do that, I've been happy to give uh, anime a little break for a little while. At least anime films, just because uh, watching all 11 uh, Hayao Miyazaki films while awesome and it was like a, an adventure for me I don't think I've ever watched the entire filmography of a director in chronological order or like in release order you know what I mean I don't think I've ever right. done that before so this was kind of cool I'm burnt out of watching uh, <laughs> that kind of thing so after we discuss Princess Mononoke I will have officially got it off my shoulders we can get into <laughs> our next topic, which I'm also very excited about. No, I, I I totally get that. I'm the same way. Once I kind of indulge too much of a certain type of thing, I'll burn out on it and kind of move on to yeah. something else. Like I didn't mention in the Overwatch episode, but you know, like I had played so much Overwatch, like every once in a while, like I I would take like you know two to two weeks to a month off of playing overwatch to play other things and then now i've kind of regulated it to where like i'll play a little bit uh here and there instead of like just being straight up on there because i mean you know me like i'm, I'm a gamer i like to play a lot of different things so oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i got you i got you anyway yeah i i get really obsessive about things and as soon as I get on to the next thing, I, I totally forget about what I was obsessed with before. And that's that's like like maybe a flaw in my personality or whatever, or just like the way I'm wired. But I'm really excited to... Uh, I've seen a lot of people posting on Twitter about like the 4K Lord of the Rings releases, and I'm super excited to give those a watch. Um, oh my goodness, do I need to buy more? Like, I already have the Blu-ray ones. I know, I, I know, 4K I know. 4K extended editions. Dude, I have I have regular DVD, I have Blu-ray, and I have to get 4K extended editions? Oh my goodness. You don't dude, have to. Be... You don't have to. But what I find pretty cool is that back when they 
made the films, they didn't have the computer technology that we have today in terms of like being able to color grade things so that it looks the right way. So people have been comparing shots from like the normal 1080p to the updated 4K and the colors just pop. Or there's more contrast where there needs to be contrast without losing like any of like the uh, the blacks or whatever. Um, it's, oh, okay. It, it like looks how really some, good. Some colors look a little washed out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that that happens when you have. Um, well, I mean, it, it can happen on like a, a CG. Like a, a, exactly. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in that, and he fixed that. He meaning Peter Jackson fixed a lot of those things. He also updated some of the models of uh, the Ooh. CG characters. Not, he didn't change the models. He just like patched them. You know, like uh, <laughs> when you you know like when you play like a an old video game that they remastered. He remastered certain models that he used, like Treebeard. Like Treebeard looks much better now, even though it's oh, the okay. exact same. It's the exact same thing. It's just the texture is better. That's cool. so. So stuff that's like that. That's cool. We'll, we'll definitely have to cover Lord of the Rings in a future podcast, obviously, individually. Yeah, we can't talk about the whole thing. I mean, we can, but we shouldn't. All in one episode. Three hours long. <laughs> we should do a Lord of the Rings extended edition watch party <laughs> podcast. Oh, man, that'd be cool. I feel like we'd get like some sort of like monetization, like or not monetization, but like a, a claim on that. Anyway, we oh. should start talking about Princess Mononoke. We're about twenty minutes into our recording at this point. But yes, Anthony, when was the last time you had seen this movie? Do you remember or the last time that I had seen this movie? Oof, my goodness! I think I was back in high school, like earlier in high school, though, like ninth or tenth grade. Okay, so that had been a while. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I first watched this around my freshman or or sophomore year of high school, so so similar ish time to that. I think I was introduced to Spirited Away through like a, a film studies course that I had in my my high school then, and because I liked that so much, I found some of his other films, and Princess Mononoke was the one that stood out to me as like wow this is game changing this is the best cartoon movie i have ever seen and i think (laughs) maybe maybe to some extent i was right about that you know like maybe that was the best cartoon movie that i had ever seen it certainly is one of the most striking because it's not aimed at children certainly it's one of uh, miyazaki's most graphic if not his most graphic movie period it's telling you things uh, even deeper, I think, than even just the environmental stuff. Like one of the cool things I found from uh, rewatching Princess Mononoke is that there's no real bad characters. You have people with either bad intentions or people who are trying to make their way in the world or trying to make a quick buck, but you don't have outright bad people. And I think that's an interesting outlook that Miyazaki has on the world. He doesn't like to categorize people as good and evil because he doesn't find that interesting. This movie really showcases a lot of those characters, like a lot of just gray characters who are just going about their own story and trying to get by, basically. And that's that was different for me. That, that really stood out for me. Whether I realized that's what I was seeing when I first watched the movie or not, 
I don't know. I don't know if I got all those subtle details that I, I, I would have as an adult now, but something about the movie really stood out to me as just being different from your typical Disney fair, even different from some of the better Pixar movies. No, I'm not saying it's better than a Pixar movie. I'm just saying it's it's just different, you know? Uh, yeah, I agree. It's mature. It, yes. Yeah. It's, it's a mature thing to watch. I watched it when I was a kid, and then I watched it again in high school, but I don't think I really understood the themes more until the last time I watched it. Most recently. You know, what, yeah, yeah, right. So, you know, now, now that I've, now that I've matured a bit and I'm looking, I'm looking past just the, the, the pretty animation and the cool stuff that's happening on screen, I'm actually paying attention to what's happening in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, it's it's mature. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not anything like Disney, at right? All. And it, it makes it really abundantly clear that it's nothing like Disney. Really soon, we have you know characters like literally losing limbs to arrow shots. You have people being beheaded and stuff with those morally gray, but like you know leaning towards uh, the antagonist side of the spectrum. You have characters like Lady Eboshi who literally <laughs> shoots the head off of like the the spirit of the forest, and right. it's like, what? Why? And you know, from from her perspective, it makes sense. She's trying to do what's best for her people. She's trying to keep them prosperous. She's trying to keep the forest spirits from attacking her 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 place. And she thinks the best thing to do is to take out the head of the four spirits but really you lose all balance when you do that and um it's really just uh it's it's a masterpiece and it's one of those things like the more i talk about it the more i'm like man this is a really good movie yeah exactly i agree i made that whole big video about uh you know like studying uh miyazaki through the lens of nausicaa of the valley of the wind and i compared nausicaa who's a very strong female character to some of his other strong female characters and you know i'm naming people like chihiro from from spirited away i'm naming people like kiki from uh, kiki's delivery service and then i i flubbed really hard and i called san princess mononoke in the video and nobody's commented on it but it's like that's not technically her name it's just the title of the film and i'm kind of annoyed at myself for doing that but you know we're all human we make mistakes i know yeah i I was thinking the same thing for for the longest time you know yeah i would i would say the same thing i would call her princess mononoke but then yeah i would have to correct myself you know because yeah her name is san um right yeah but yeah let's uh yeah let's go through the movie a little bit it starts off with uh ashitaka in his village but i mean he's not at his village he's he's uh running away from something and he bumps into his sister and some of the the other villagers and pretty much tells them to go back to their village he gets to this uh, watchtower and that's where you see there's this like wild boar that is uh well it's it's a, it's it's a like god com- right yeah it's like right, a, yeah. a shinigami or something like that it's translated differently uh some some translations like call it a god some call it like a demon i like to call it a monster with tentacles right yeah that, that's <laughs> 
I mean, essentially, that's what it was. It's a corrupted you, spirit. It's a corrupted spirit of the forest. That's uh, right. Essentially, exactly. What it is, yeah. Yeah, it's a corrupted spirit of the forest, and so Ashitaka is fighting this spirit, and in the course of this battle, uh, the spirit touches him, mm-hmm. and so he he becomes corrupted with. It's with, like a curse. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. He gets corrupted with this curse that uh, that was on this spirit of the forest, and he takes down the he takes down this boar, but then he finds out that this curse is going to eventually kill him. Yeah. So the the wise old lady she she tells him this that the that this curse is going to kill him, and she sends him off into the distance to pretty much see what he can do about the unrest that's happening between the humans and the spirits or to see for his own unbiased eyes right that's what they could yeah unbiased eyes so so he leaves he goes on on this he goes on to this this journey let me let me pause let me let me pause really quick because at this point in the story um we don't know much about ashitaka right besides the fact that he's like yeah he's like a prince of this small village in like 14th century japan but we know that he's heroic and he's willing to uh fight for his people um he has a really cool steed that's like what is it like an elk uh yeah yeah it was like a a red elk it's such a cool mount and those early shots that's that's something that uh, miyazaki likes to do is um, he'll give you some form of action or adventure in the beginning, and then he'll give you like almost like a pillow shot where it's just like a calming moment of peace before the rest of the film begins. So you have like him going uh, from like location to location with his elk, and it's just a beautiful uh, like 10, 20 seconds of the movie that I don't think like enough people talk about just because. You know, he really loves uh, the the beauty of uh, the natural world, and it's showcased really well here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, it, those moments of of peace and quiet are yeah, like not not enough people talk about it. I, I love when when we see scenes like that. And and so yeah, I remember he comes across this village being attacked, mm. and so like he kind of like intervenes a little bit that's when he kind of like realizes that like the curse on his arm kind of gives him this like crazy power and then this is where you realize that that the that this movie does have a like a little bit of a graphic level to it because he's like hitting these guys with the arrow and like the arms are coming off and or the heads coming off it's yeah it's crazy yeah i'm like oh my goodness this is this is where you remember this this is where you realize this is not for kids right here this is not uh, a disney movie um, and you know, even before that, you have like the disgusting tentacles that are covering this boar creature. It's monstrous. And, yeah, it, you it know, it's it's great. nightmare fuel, really, if you think about it. Nightmare fuel. <laughs> it really is. It's nightmare fuel. But uh, it's not until um, you see how the curse kind of augments Ashitaka, uh, at least his strength. Um, to the point where he's literally like with with a arrow shot <laughs> he can dismember people or behead people um and that's yeah 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 it's it's, it's yeah, crazy. yeah yeah it was it, it's a, it's a pretty crazy it's almost like venom you know like he has a symbiote that like in some cases wants to like be in charge you know like there's certain scenes in the movie where like he's fighting to like keep 
the curse back, uh, repress it while it's trying to like make him enraged and stuff. So it's almost like a symbiote uh, relationship with him that kind of gives him a super strength. Right. It, it, it also kind of has a mind of its own a little bit too, because there's been moments where he, his, uh, his body will kind of act on its own and he has to like stop it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's moments where like, it'll, uh, like his arm will like reach for his sword and he has to like grab it. Um, I, I forget who he reacts that way to. I think he reacts that way. To yeah, yeah. It happened with, uh, Lady Eboshi. You're right. Yeah. It definitely happened, uh, there. I remember like in the hut when she's explaining something to him and he gets like kind of angry, but then like his arm goes crazy. It's, it's cool. All right. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I sidetracked you. Um, he, he finds this village. He mediates for them and he finds, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. Oh my God. Yeah. He plays, uh, we both watched the English dub of the movie that, uh, Disney put out in, 97 98 but uh yeah billy bob thornton plays jikobo the wandering monk who has uh he's not really like a, a very devout monk i don't think he's he's <laughs> uh i don't know what kind of monk he is or what he does besides you know like look for profit when he can find it but again he's he's another character who's not like outright bad you know he doesn't want anything bad to happen to ashitaka at least not in the beginning of the film he even helps him to an extent but right right when he goes to pay for he, he goes to pay for some rice with a gold nugget right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tries to like uh tag along maybe get uh, a few more nuggets yeah right he's like oh if you don't want this i'll i'll, I'll pay for the rice and then i'll take this and the lady changed her tune real quick what happened after that, Anthony? San and uh, the tools attack Lady Eboshi and and her people that are uh, bringing rice up to their like iron fortress. So yeah, she ends up killing a, a few of the oxen and and some of the people of uh, some of those uh, some of the workers, and they fall down the side of of this mountain that they're on. And so a little bit of time passes. Uh, one of the wolves does get injured by Lady Eboshi. Mm-hmm. It gets shot. Uh, well, it, it was it's uh, like San's quote unquote mother, right? Uh, uh, that gets what's shot. The name of it? Uh, Maro no Kimi. That's the mother wolf, like who claims San as her daughter. Right. So they're they're down they're down by the river in a van down by the river. <laughs> so yeah, they, yeah, they go down by by the river. Um, San helps uh, clean the wounds uh, of her mother, and this is where uh, Ashitaka and San kind of get a glimpse of each other for the first time. And he even he even asks like, "Hey, you know, are you the spirit of the forest?" And um, she tells him to go away. And then after that, yeah, right after spitting blood out of her mouth. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, it has it like all over her face. Yeah. And so yeah, he he uh, Ashitaka ends up helping some of the villagers that like fell off to the side during that scuffle, and uh, they go through the forest, like the forbidden forest. Yeah, and that's one that of the point. most uh, interesting scenes. It's creepy, but it's also endearing and charming at the same time. Right? Yeah. Those, what, what were those things that uh, that what, um, they called Kikomori? I think. I yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, it was funny because like the villagers were kind of like freaking out. He's like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, 
they're they're gonna kill us and uh ashitaka's like oh first of all i i was wrong i don't know what i just said um but kodama is the the glowing uh like ghost-like things that like you know can like turn their head 360 i know it 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 sounded so weird because like they're they're kind of like bobbleheads a little bit like they would they would kind of like shake their head and they were like kind of like bobbleheads that had like something in their head that like a rattling noise yeah 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 it would like rattle um it was funny because yeah yeah that like the the villagers or the villager that was awake was kind of freaking out and ashitaka is like well you know talking about his his, uh his mount it's like well if if he's not freaking out then you have nothing to be freaking out about (laughs) yeah okay so his mount is called yakul oh yeah yakul yeah you, you know like i'm on google by the way i'm looking all these characters up because oh, yeah, these yeah, are no, not cool. uh it's it, they don't come naturally to us with you know uh <laughs> american upbringing yeah exactly like i like i actually really liked that character even though it didn't talk it was mm-hmm. just an animal he he had like this this loyalty to uh, ashitaka yeah what well, he his face is almost it's if you look it up really quick, it, it's almost it's almost like a Pokemon. Like the characteristics that he uh, employs, the the type of loyalty that he has for his uh, master, it, it's almost uh, kind of reminiscent of like the animation that they would do for Pokemon. But obviously, to a much greater extent, because you know this is Miyazaki we're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, Yakul's really cool, uh, and the idea of a of a kid. Uh, a prince riding around on a red elk is super sick yeah and everybody pretty much mentioned it too they're like oh my gosh like where did you get that red elk from yeah i mean it's not as striking as the uh young girl riding on the backs of wolves uh like giant white wolves that's a little little more striking but right uh, right but still like yeah riding on an elk is is not like an everyday thing either but right. yeah, it, yeah, if, it, yeah. If I saw somebody coming up to me uh, on a wolf, like I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, this person uh, is crazy." <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, it's true. But uh, also, like, very cool, you know. Like, how did you do that? Why did you do that? And um, <laughs> I got anyway. my inspiration from Princess Mononoke. Anyway, so at this point. He goes through the, the forest with some of these uh, men from Lady Eboshi's village, Iron Town. And they uh, go through the forest, they make it back, and the men are advocating... Oh, even before that, they, they're, they're in the forest, and they, they catch a glimpse of the forest spirit. It's like not a real animal, obviously. It's like a mix of several animals. It's called the Nightwalker. Uh, it, it appears to have like a very humanoid face on like the body of a a many antlered creature. I don't know. It's kind. It's it's a yeah. really cool design. Again, I could see if if Yakul is like the starter Pokemon, then the Nightwalker is its third evolution. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. So so yeah, they, they catch a glimpse of that, and that'll come into play later in the film, as we've already spoiled at this point. But uh, they make it over to Iron Town, and Lady Eboshi, like you know, her people are hesitant to let anyone into their town just because they 
um, are constantly at war with other with men of other places. So right. they're worried that for you know they're they're worried for a number of reasons. This guy could be a spy. This guy could be trying to infiltrate from within. Blah blah blah. But Lady Eboshi, for whatever reason, is intrigued by him um, and lets him in, especially after uh, he saved the lives of two of their uh, men. And um, she's she's quite proud of like the accomplishments that she's made for these people. And for for all intents and purposes, like they live good lives. Like even like the the former prostitutes or harlots, um, right? They, yeah, they have gainful uh, living. They have they have work that um, they can feel proud about because it helps keep the prosperity of the town alive. Um, but this is where you start to see like the imagery of the town like on the hillside and like the rest of the area around it is burnt land you know there's just tree stumps burnt and stuff and all of that was used to keep the fires burning for them to continue to make the iron that uh allows their town to prosper there, there's so many layers to like how good this movie is and like how uh, well-rounded the world is um because yeah. you, you're only you, you only really visit like four or five places in the movie you know you have ashitaka's original town you have uh that town that he met billy bob thornton's character and then you have uh you know you have the forest and then you have uh, iron town and uh so on and so forth but everything comes together to make it feel like a real world you know yeah it does yeah yeah it, it's it's a beautiful world it the, the colors are vibrant in the places that that the director wants to like you know that want he wants that place to really like pop out and be vibrant and then like the the places that are kind of dull like iron town um to kind of you know show that you know surrounding landscape is all scorched and burned and cut down not not to you know show that the humans were bad but to kind of like show i I don't know like it was like kind of like a theme for them like the 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 spirits and the forest was like really like popping and vibrant and then the towns or at least iron town was like very just like dull and kind of uh gray a little bit you know like a lot of from the outside looking in smog going on from the outside looking in it looks lifeless you know it looks like it looks like a factory but from the inside looking out it seems like a fortress you know it's like their own little slice of paradise inside this this uh town that they're fighting to uh, maintain yeah it's it's cool the stark contrast of um viewpoints and you have several different factions why don't you talk a little bit about how the spirits of the forest or or like the animal representations of them are kind of at a like in like a stalemate war against iron town yeah it's it's pretty crazy because the, the the wolves are kind of they they've kind of taken a step back from from the the fighting but the apes and the the boars kind of like want to like take it to the humans you know they 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 want to fight it out kind of they're a little more hot-headed right like the apes were talking about like eating the humans <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I don't... they wanted to eat the humans 
That was weird. And I forgot who it was that said like, no, you don't want to to you don't want to eat the humans. You don't want to you know like kind of like essentially like that's not what you eat. Was it San? Was it was San the one doing that? That might have been San, yeah. Or maybe one of the wolves. I forget. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Actually, I think it was one of the wolves. It was one of the wolves. I'm pretty sure that that was saying that. Okay. And then yeah, the the boars were kind of. The, the boars like yeah they they wanted like to to take the the fight to the death to the humans yeah yeah they were willing to sacrifice it all um they were at the end like they didn't see any uh room for hope within a right. world with humans right and 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 it was kind of like in a way with like lady eboshi was the same way like she wanted to like fight like she wanted to get rid of these spirits and the thing that i liked about ashitaka's character is that he was actually like the middleman he didn't want anybody to get hurt he would he really wasn't on anybody's side like he he didn't want the the spirits to to get hurt so he was trying to pretty much persuade uh lady eboshi to like stop what she's doing and then he tried to you know he wanted to persuade the the spirits to like you know hey you know you know don't do this too many people you know too many like beings are gonna die you know too many humans too many spirits are gonna die too many cooks and so like he was kind of like yeah yeah exactly so like he was like the middleman like he wasn't for or against anybody yeah he was a mediator between the different races of man and even the different races of spirits um and he was just trying to keep the peace but you know sometimes war is unavoidable uh, unavoidable um, what I liked about the boars, their hot-headedness, their pig-headedness, uh, they reminded me of like the dwarves in stuff like uh, Lord of the Rings and stuff, it, or that type of character, just very like blunt and uh, gruff, like, we have to do it this way because this is the way it's always been done. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Like, I guess you can like make the parallel of like the Mines of Moria, how instead of leaving they fought to the death uh and literally like you know like they lost their lives the the people or the dwarves who existed there before uh you know the events in lord of the rings right um and this is kind of what we're seeing now in princess mononoke is like the end of this line of animal or spirit or whatever you want to call uh this creature that's uh a mediator for i think they're like the mountains right they're, which is another like parallel to dwarves is that you know they're they're like the uh, protectors of the mountains and like in so destroying the forest they're also destroying the mountains by like right they, it up. they like travel the distance yeah to 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 fight it's cool we finally get to like the climax of the story and it's essentially uh lady eboshi uh, is trying to finish the fight once and for all you know it's come to a head you have the boars you have the apes you have uh the wolves and uh and so on kind of coming together to stop uh humankind and then you know they each have several layers of like revelations between them uh one of the weird parts for me one of like the more unsettling parts is the the moment when they're in the forest and the leader of the boars is being corrupted by you know this curse and uh you have like humans running around in the skins of boars around him yeah that was weird it's like a really unsettling moment i don't even know what to like make of it besides like wow this is a really creepy even like visual 
but it's a memorable one. And then what do you think about Lady Eboshi's action with uh, the spirit or the Nightwalker? Like, I found it pretty insane. I found it pretty insane that she decided to go through with killing the, the you know, spirit of the forest. And the, re- the reason why I say that is because, I mean, there had been so much going on up until that point. You know, people were getting killed. I mean, pe- both both people and spirits were, were being killed. You know, at this point, I would have thought that, you know, somebody would have tried to do some peaceful re- um, resolution. But no, like she she went there with a mission and she executed that mission. Yeah. And it, it, it didn't seem like she had any other choice or was willing to compromise uh, with her choice. And even after things started going bad, because so, so they she shot the head off of the uh, Nightwalker and instantly like everything around the Nightwalker as it was looking for its head started dying. You know, it was almost like the death of the forest. Like she shot the heart out of the forest and everything right. around it was dying as it was it was beheaded and it was looking for its head so that it can, you know, uh, fix itself or whatever. Right. Uh, Billy Bob picked it up. Billy Bob, yeah. And he tried to, like, take it away to, like, give to the king or something like that. Yeah, yeah, to, like, the emperor. That was, like, a background storyline that the emperor wanted the head of the spirit of the forests for some reason. And it seemed to, yeah, it seemed to coincide with her desire to uh, get rid of the forest spirits altogether to uh, keep her tone moving so they teamed up and it was like a long like five minute like chase between the humans running away with the spirit of the forest's head while like you know his translucent like manifestation form of like a gigantic thing searching for his head was like terrifying and freaky but also really cool and and yeah so like through throughout this film or at least this like final half San and Ashitaka kind of have like this like connection you know like in her mind she she's thinking that she's a wolf and that you know she's against the against the humans but you actually find out that she's a human but her parents kind of casted her to the side and so the wolves took her in as one of them yeah and it's I mean, it's obvious that she's human, you know. Yeah, of course. There's nothing about her that, besides, like, her temper and, like, her way of uh, behaving amongst other humans, there's nothing about her that, like, makes her um, in any way not human. But for whatever reason, she's under some sort of curse or spell or delusion that she is the daughter of this wolf and only... And the wolves obviously know that she's not a wolf, but yeah. they take her in as one. Uh, I don't know if he's going for some like myth, uh, mythological like basis for this or whatever, or or how he came up with the idea for San. But you have like the 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 Roman story of uh, Remus and Romulus, the founders of Rome, who were supposedly raised by wolves. And Romulus was, uh, I mean, they named Rome after Romulus. So I I don't know if that has anything to do with this. It might just be like a parallel, like, you know, story that I'm comparing this to. But anyway, I think it's an interesting little comparison. I I agree that there's a lot in this story that you could see taken from other, like, you know, mythologies. Yeah. And it's really cool because 
it's incorporated but kind of makes it its own mm -hmm. and so it kind of puts its own stamp on it and i think that's really cool it's also uh markedly different from western animation and movies in general just because it is an eastern movie it's an eastern interpretation of like the naturalistic world um or anthropomorphization of the of nature you know it's through a japanese lens so to speak so you have sort of you have some like shintoism uh mixed in with buddhism and stuff and you come up with some like an environmental message that's it's universal i mean the the idea that you you shouldn't destroy for the forest you should try to live with the forest is universal but the way the story is presented um especially in like a 14th century japan is an interesting one because it's not something that we would ever be exposed to right had this not existed yeah that was something that that you and i were talking about kind of like off the record mm -hmm. and that this film was pretty much uh that the message of this film was to respect nature and to respect those that live in nature and to show that there's a balance that needs to be respected and it really does show in this film the yeah. importance of that and it's pretty cool like you said the way that it was shown is not something that you would see in a western perspective it, it's more of an eastern perspective yeah absolutely and i think that's kind of the charm uh that americans see in uh miyazaki's movies is that he is clearly very japanese you know there's there's no oh, yeah. way about that the way but but he also he he's a people watcher like he 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 sees um how people act and he makes his animation as real to life as possible even like down to like little details uh as part of the director project that i've been working with uh over the past couple of months uh making video essays and stuff i made the one on nausicaa someone just released their uh princess mononoke video today actually uh it's a it's a channel called accented cinema and okay. he he kind of showcased how like there's little details of like actions that characters take that don't further the plot at all you know there's stuff like when they're in the forest and he has like the injured uh soldier by his side he goes to get water but before he draws water from the 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 lake he washes his bowl really quick or he rinses it and then he picks it up and it's just like um, it's an action you could see humans making, you know, like if you have a dirty bowl in a bag, you're gonna like rinse it out before you, you know, actually start drinking water out of it. But it's little things like that, that don't add anything to the plot. They don't add anything to the character, but it's subtle details that make it like a believable character trait that the guy would have or whatever. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I do like that. I know what you're talking about. I remember that part. And the cool thing is, is that not every scene in a movie has to contribute to the overall story of the film just so long that it has a purpose and it did have a purpose it it was like you said a very human action you know to clean mm -hmm. out your bowl before you before you use it that was a very natural thing for a person to do and so yeah like it served a purpose mm -hmm. and i thought that that yeah i thought that that small detail was pretty cool because i i do remember thinking in the back of my mind like oh you know he kind of like washed his bowl 
Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, little cool. things like that. Like, uh, and apparently, like it's all over, it's scattered throughout all uh, his movies. But like, especially in this one, like he really took pains to doing the little things that uh, people would do in situations. Or you know, you you watch, uh, I think, Spirited Away. Um, yes. When whenever uh, Chihiro is like nervous, she'll like grab her shirt and she'll kind of hold herself in a way that you can see like a little kid you know like uh, a nervous uh, reaction that a little kid would have and then it's um he has little things like that that like kind of just show a realistic look on or a mimicking of uh, realism that humans have or little tendencies that we uh make that don't add anything to the story but kind of are like salt and pepper for you know us enjoying the meal that is the movie and I like that about uh, what he does. Anthony, we've been talking for over an hour. <laughs> well, Princess Mononoke is a great film, and I think it's uh, worth breaking the, breaking it down. Oh, so so we didn't get the last little nugget at the end. Oh yeah, talk. Let's let's go through that really quick before we wrap up. There's uh, you know, the the spirit of the forest is kind of like attacking everything, looking for its head. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like spreading out like this curse. And there's pretty much this scramble. Ashitaka and San are pretty much scrambling to find the head because they want to give it back to the, to the spirit. And, and so they, they end up doing it. There's a, a scuffle between, I just, I like calling him Billy Bob. I do too. Uh, there's a scuffle, there's a scuffle between, uh, them, uh, and Billy Bob and his goons, and they end up on this rock being surrounded by like this like curse. And so they offer up the head and the uh the body of the spirit kind of just like goes over the goes over like the area, like destroying <clears throat> destroying stuff, but also healing uh Ashitaka and San, because San ended up getting that curse on her too. Right. So it, it was pretty crazy because like after that that moment they wake up and they're like in a lush like field you know there's like the area is beautiful it's like so like the spirit it dies it ends up dying Mm -hmm. and in that like last act it healed ashitaka and san and pretty much healed the land too Mm -hmm. and that was pretty cool that was a that, that was a pretty cool like way to to end the movie yeah, it was almost like the conscious regrowth of the environment. Touching upon that, I, re- I learned recently a little detail that I didn't know. Um, and that's uh, after the the Nightwalker does that and like heals San and uh, Ashitaka, you can see the little detail of, uh, you know, one of the lepers earlier in the film is also healed. So uh, like he has like the bandages all over him, but like he's he's able to move he's not and you know he's healed uh so that i think that's a little cool detail and it's again it's it's the attention to detail that sets uh uh, miyazaki's work apart in my opinion right but it's also like a hopefulness you know like his movies don't end with a depressing note ever right even Uh, even sad movies of his they they always end uh with some hopeful look at the future and this is no different. Even Lady Eboshi kind of like changes her perspective and sees that it's important to kind of respect nature. 
and and it's not just like a, a frame of mind like you could tell that she seems a little bit she's like a little like lighter like she seems a little happier than like her, her she doesn't have a chip on her shoulder anymore right right yeah. like she she was walking around the movie pretty much the ice queen yeah yeah, yeah. and okay. she kind of like warmed up in that moment and yeah that she was needs, she that needed was to let it go <laughs> lady elsa <laughs> i had to all right guys thank you so much for listening if you liked this episode of project geekology please be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to your podcast whether that be audible whether that be stitcher whether that be apple Podcasts or other we appreciate every single one of your listens we, we just hit uh, 750 downloads for the show and you know between uh, the first 13 releases that we've done that's pretty awesome you know i don't think most uh you know small podcasts get uh that much traction uh so quickly so i'm, I'm really happy about that um we're really happy about that i know Anthony, yes, you posted yes. about it on twitter earlier today of course yeah so thank you guys so much and uh, we've we've actually been seeing a little more um audience participation in terms of you know uh people interacting with us on twitter through our at pgecology uh handle there uh we have uh, a few people you know regularly commenting on like the shows talking about what they appreciate and that goes a long way and keeping us motivated to keep going next week we have a fun one uh, I think I'm going to have to replay this game. Anthony, you want to introduce it to us? So yeah, next week we know what we're going to be covering. We're going to be covering Kingdom Hearts 1. Yes. You know, be, you know the, the Kingdom Hearts before everything becomes like extremely convoluted. And it's already pretty <laughs> convoluted. It's, it's, not right. like, it's not the most straightforward story, but it's, it's a story that I hold dear to my heart. It's, it's probably my personal best, uh, favorite game ever. Um, and I'm not saying it's the best game ever, because it's not. But it's, it's so fun, and uh, the nostalgia for it... I, dude, I can't wait to talk about Kingdom Hearts next week. Yes, cannot wait. I, I can't wait. I can't wait either. You know that, that I hold it dear to my heart also. And it, it, it's going to be a great... I, I think it's going to be a fun discussion. Every discussion is fun. We we talk about things that we really enjoy. And and I like that a lot. Just to kind of like hop on to what Dakota was saying. Yes, we really do appreciate the participation between all our handles. Um... We have some of you guys reaching out to us on the Instagram. We have some of you reaching on to, to Twitter. And we, we really do appreciate that. Uh, reviews, they go a long way. They help us out. Not really just uh, motivation-wise, but it actually helps our show by uh, the, the more reviews that we get, you know, the more positive reviews that we get. It pushes us up, you know, the list of podcasts and we really do appreciate those who take the time and, and uh, do that for us. And we thank those of you that uh, continually engage with us. And yeah, uh, if, if you haven't followed, uh, follow us on Twitter at PGecology or on uh, Instagram at Project Ecology. We have it in the show notes. So if you want to uh, look at that to, to find our uh, social media handles, after we get a little bit more of a listener base, we'll probably end up setting up something like a Discord. I think it would mm. be pretty cool. That would be good. Um, I think that would be great for the community to, to engage and, 
and I think that would be awesome. But yeah, uh, stay safe. We can't wait to be back to talk about Kingdom Hearts next week. Any last remarks, Dakota? No. <laughs> no, no, uh, no thoughts. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you, Anthony, next week. See you later, guys. Yes. Bye.